Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their have you gotten wrong yet? What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker and Ben McKee coming to you from Thompson Bowling Arena, where earlier on Monday evening, Tennessee opened 11th ranked Tennessee, I should say, opened the season with a 75-43 win over Tennessee Tech. Uh, If you're just wondering why we've got a podcast coming out tonight instead of earlier today, uh, we are going to have about five or six podcasts this week. So I figured that uh, we we would go ahead and just do one today instead of one before the game, one after the game. Here we are, Ben, Tennessee opened the season the way that more or less we thought it would. No, No huge surprises, maybe not the best possible opener for Tennessee, um, but when you're favored by 36, you win by 28, you score 48 points in the second half, it doesn't seem like it's so bad. Yeah, just kind of ho-hum for Tennessee basketball on, on Monday night. They got the win, and, and they looked pretty good doing so. Uh, defensively, they were terrific. They held Tennessee Tech to 33% shooting, and in the first half, it was 18% shooting uh, in, in which they held Tennessee Tech to, and uh, from the three-point line, Tennessee Tech did not shoot all that well either, um, just 29%, 5 for 17. So uh, a really good defensive effort there from Tennessee tonight, and, and that's obviously a, a key piece to a Rick Barnes-coached basketball team. Josiah Jordan-James said after the game that Rick Barnes is always going to prioritize defense. We, we all know that. Anybody who follows this program uh, is well aware of that. So it, it was good to see them play defensively. And I just really think that they're going to be an elite team defensively, I feel like, um, because of the athleticism that they have, uh, both in the post and, and both the, in the backcourt. Uh, I, I think they have some, some length and athleticism that can give other teams challenges in the post. Uh, we'll see how they, they handle a, a big, physical, imposing post player, like an, an Oscar Shibway of, of sorts. Um, but I, I feel like Olivier Camwa, Urosh, uh, Jonas Adu, I, I feel like they can all kind of chip in and, and play well. And, and then what I really like is something that Rick Barnes talked about after the game uh, in the sense of they feel really comfortable about switching one through four. Yes, that's what I was going to say. All yes. over the floor. Uh, and, and they have the versatility to do that with Julian Phillips, Josiah Jordan-James, uh, and Zakai Ziegler, he's not going to back down from a fight. Santiago Vescovi is, is more athletic than when he first got here and in much better shape and, and better on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Jabai Meshack might be Tennessee's best defender. 
Uh, he, he's going to have a big year defensively. So uh, that, that really stood out to me, uh, Rick's postgame comments, because I, I think that is a trait of an elite defensive team, one that, that is not afraid to switch and, and one that can handle switches. And, and it's not just switching one through four. I mean, if Josiah gets switched on to a post player, he's, he's going to be able to hold his own for the most part. Obviously, you don't want that every, day, every time down the floor, but uh, I, I feel like this team is going to be great defensively, and uh, the shots weren't always falling tonight, but they're going to shoot the ball as well. They're going to shoot it a ton, and, and more often than, than not, they're going to make a good amount of them. Yeah, that, that's, I, I think I, I'm glad that we, that we mentioned the defense first, because I, I didn't want to avoid that, because when you hold an opponent to 16 points in the first half, 43 points in the game, uh, you, you've had a good defensive night. I think this is going to be a good defensive team. I didn't want to not mention that because I think what we're going to talk about quite a bit is the way this team played offense, which is much, much different from what we're used to seeing from a Rick Barnes basketball team. We saw this a little bit early last season, a little bit at other times last season, but it sort of changed a little bit. There were times where they reverted back away from it. This team is going to shoot a lot of three-pointers. Uh, you, you think about the way Alabama plays the game since Nate Oates has been there. You think about the way, you know, for years the Houston Rockets played the game, that Daryl Morey ball. This is the way basketball is played now. Uh, I, I wrote a column that, that just got published a little bit ago, and it noted the difference in, you know, this was about the NBA, the difference in, like, the spray chart for where shots come from. It used to kind of look like a, a, a pockmarked face. You would see everything was red everywhere. Now it almost looks like a Fu Manchu because you've got around the three-point line and then you've got the goatee underneath, which is around the rim. That's where shots are coming from these days. That's the shots kids are taking. There are more and more kids, even big kids, who can shoot these days. And there are a lot more big kids playing the game, a lot more length, which is clogging up the paint. And if you make... 25 three-pointers, you've scored more points than if you score 37 two-pointers. It's basic math. It's the way the game is played now, and it's the way this Tennessee team is going to play the game, and I do not mind it at all. I know that there are some people, Ben, who kind of pine for those old days of basketball, right? The uh, the mic and drill, passing it around, everybody gets a touch. You do those mid-range jumpers. You you go around screens, hit hit the shots from the elbow. There's still a place for that, but it's not what this team has been built to do. It's not what this team was recruited to do, and that's not what a lot of kids are doing these days. Forty-three of Tennessee's first 61 shot attempts in this game were from behind the three-point line. That, from a Rick Barnes team, is different. He can sit up there on the podium, which is a few feet away from us, which he did earlier tonight, and say his style has not changed. He's just always adjusted it for the players he has, and now he has players who do that. I got to tell you, Ben, I think his philosophy's changed a little bit. I think he sees the writing on the wall. I think he sees where the game is going, and I think he's gotten there. It, it, it certainly seems like it, and, and you mentioned that he, he started to go that way, or the, the offense started to go that way a little bit last year, uh, especially midway through the year when, when they were pretty stagnant uh, and they were able to find an offensive rhythm the last month and a half or so uh, of the season last year. And, and that carried them down the stretch and to an SEC tournament win. And 
ran into a Michigan team there with, with a Sweet 16 berth on the line. But e- even in that game, they were getting open looks yeah. from the perimeter that they had just made the last month and a half that allowed them to reach that point. And over those final six, eight minutes uh, against Michigan, they, they just didn't fall. Uh, very similar to tonight where uh, Tennessee was four for 20, I believe, there in the, the first half from three. And that that's not a pretty number, obviously, in terms of um, the percentage in which they were making them. But as Rick said after the game, it, it seemed like nearly all of them were good shots watching it live. I mean, they, they were open threes after open threes. And uh, even in the second half when they start eight for 15, that was the difference. In the first half, and second half, they were getting the same looks. In the first half, they weren't falling. In the second half, they 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 were falling so that that's just kind of basketball in a nutshell some days your shot's going to fall and, and some days uh it's not but it, it does seem like the philosophy has has maybe shifted a little bit I, I would love to pick rick's brain in terms of because he said he cited the personnel as you mentioned as, as to why he he's fine with shooting more threes and obviously i'll i'll, I'll take him at his word for it but the personnel has the personnel shifted because he wanted to to reach this point or or did the the personnel end up like it has ended up by accident but even the big men for Tennessee can shoot except for Urush Olivia Camwalk can shoot it from three Jonas Adu can shoot it from three as well and Jonas made a three tonight as well so and against uh, Gonzaga he made one yes so the 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 big guys and and that's today's basketball right I mean we've got the the freak who's like eight foot seven shooting one one legged three and, and if you can't do it you're a liability yeah you are you, you get played off the floor you, you absolutely get played off the floor i watched it with steven adams and my grizzlies last year in the playoffs uh, against the warriors they, they couldn't play him because he couldn't knock down perimeter shots so it certainly seems like the philosophy has, has shifted in that direction and again rick sided personnel but i would i would be really curious to follow up and ask him did the personnel shift to, to go in that direction, or was it by accident that the personnel ended up the way that it is? Yeah, and, and I, I mentioned this in the column too, Ben. If, if you, you know, regardless of what kind of area you live in, if you live in a city, if you live out in the burbs, if you live out in a rural area, you can drive by a park and watch people play basketball, or you can go over to the local gym and watch people play basketball. And if you go around and drive around, you're stopped at a red light, you're looking over at the park, you happen to walk by, you're walking your dog, you see it. What shots are people taking when you go by? People are taking three-pointers. Because? That's what they want to shoot. Because it's Steph Curry. And that stuff is fun. You know, you don't see – you might occasionally see a kid, like, working an old-school mic and drill or something, but if he's doing that, it's probably because he's got his dad or his coach out there putting him through it or putting her through it. That's what they're doing. But that game is played. When you want to go out there, what are you doing? You're going to shoot free throws, right, and you're going to shoot three-pointers. If you go out in the backyard right now and go shoot baskets, what are you going to go do? You might go out there to warm up, hit a couple little layups or whatever, hit a couple free throws. Then you're bombing away from three. That's what you're doing. That's what these kids are doing. That's what they grew up doing. That's what they want to do. And I think when you think about how big, like how much bigger the average basketball team is now, particularly in the backcourt and at the wing spots, how much more length there is than there used to be and how much athleticism and wingspan is out there, the court is shrinking every year. Because these kids are getting bigger, they're getting stronger, they're getting longer. You, you see more kids in the backcourt who are six eight. Like it's hard to find space to get shots inside. What do you do? Step out a little bit, get a little more room, and you learn to hit those shots. 
and it spaces the floor. Like football and basketball are different in so many ways, but one of the ways in which they're very similar is that the more area a team has to defend, the more uncomfortable that defense is going to be. Like, you know, take Tennessee's defense right now in football. If you want to line the ball up and run right at them, they'll take that 11 times out of 10, and they'll ask you for a 12th. They'll bite your arm off for you to do that because when you're doing that, you're not spreading the field, getting one-on-one matchups, and getting the ball out into space where they're not as good. Basketball is the same way. If you have to defend the entire court, that leaves more room for guys to, to go do back cuts. That leaves more room for pick and rolls. That leaves more room for, for dribble drives to the basket, drive kick out. If you can't shoot out there, like look at the way people play Ben Simmons. It absolutely changes what a team can do offensively because you got a guy out there handling the ball. Nobody has to guard him. They're 10 feet or 5 feet off of him. And it, it condenses the court. It makes life harder for everybody. And if you can't shoot, you're a liability. And if you are a good shooter and you turn down an open three, you're not being unselfish. You're being selfish. You're hurting your team. Go take that shot. And, and I know that, that we know Rick isn't the most patient man in the world. So I'm interested to see if he sticks with this, if they have a few games where they're not shooting it well, we all know when the Hickory Rick comes out, right? Gets a little angry, makes some changes, you know, just throw the ball inside, just do this, just get to the bucket. If they can, if he can avoid that and let this team be what this team is, I like that. I think you, you play to what you have and you play to what the game is. There are going to be nights where you're not making shots and you're going to have to find a plan B, but they have a plan B. And teams are still going to have to go out and guard your guys when you're doing that because if, if you don't have that threat, people aren't going to respect it, and it's going to be harder to get twos. Well, I don't think Rick's going to change if, if they're not making shots because there, there were times last year when shots were not falling, and he would say after the game the same thing that he said tonight. We make them in practice. We work on them these shots far too much to not take them in games. He, he said that last year when, when there were games uh, midway through the year in, in which shots were not falling and, and people were questioning Josiah Jordan-James and, and his ability to shoot the basketball and, and some other guys on, on the team as well, Olivier Camois and, and Rick said, we, we practice these shots all the time, we chart these shots all the time, and, and we put too much effort into it to, to not take these shots. So I would be very surprised if, if there's a three, four, five-game stretch uh, of poor shooting and, and Rick then decides to, to alter um, their philosophy. And quite frankly, I don't think he's going to be able to do that even if he wanted to because I don't think Tennessee has the, the adequate personnel to, to have an offense that runs through the post. Not consistently, uh, they don't. But I, I also, on, on the same accord, I, I would be very surprised if he, he put into that situation to where he maybe has to overthink it <laughs> Which he's not going to. He's not going to. You but don't I w- think so? No. Because I, I, I think Rick gets himself in trouble sometimes by doing that. I think he gets a little impatient with stuff at times, and I don't know that that helps. See, I think the opposite. I, I think that maybe at times he's a little too slow to react to things or, or make adjustments. And especially with the shooting thing. Like I said, last year, I mean, he, he said it after practically every game in, in every press conference. If they did struggle to shoot that, 
we chart this. We, we work at it. We, we, we work too hard at these shots to, to turn them down. So I would, I would be very surprised if, if he overreacted in that manner. But I'd also be very surprised if there's a three, five-game stretch in which Tennessee struggles to shoot the ball from distance. There, there's, all, there's always going to be games throughout a basketball season in which you struggle to shoot. That's basketball. That is just simply basketball. But th- this, this team has too much offensive firepower to, to where I would be very surprised if there's a, a, a lengthy three, five, seven-game stretch of, of them struggling to shoot the basketball because, I mean, it, it's one guy after the next. The, the guards, I mean, there's five, six, seven of them that shoot the ball well. And then we talked about it, Jonas and Olivier, they can, they can step out and, and shoot it as well. So uh, of the eight to nine guys that are going to be mainstays in the rotation, there, there's, what, two of them that you don't necessarily feel – confident every time they shoot the basketball and and that's Jemai Meshack and Urosh Plavshik and, and even Jemai stepped out and and made a three tonight and looked really good doing so and, and he did it right after he came off a, a, a curl off a screen and and hit a mid-range jumper he had a nice little 5-0 run himself and, and we talked about it on the preview podcast he's looked good shooting the basketball in practice as well he, he's not going to be Tennessee's best offensive player this season but he does appear to be much improved on the offensive end and if if he's quote your worst shooter, then then you're in a pretty good spot as a team, in in my opinion. So I, I would be surprised if there's a a lengthy stretch this season in which they do struggle to shoot the basketball because they have too much offensive firepower. And, and I look at in particular Zakai Ziegler. I mean, let's be honest. Um, he would probably be the main reason that the shooting percentage was not great tonight. He was two for twelve from three. Um, that that is a number that you see and you go ugh. Yes. But Ben, you and I sat next to each other right behind the goal for that entire game. I don't think any of those 12 shots were shots that I would say don't shoot. I think every single one. I might go back and look at it and see maybe one that I didn't love we'll see. But I'm thinking about it right now. I think every every shot he took, all 12 of them, were shots that I would say, yeah, you can make that shot. Shoot it. And And, and there's two things about this. One, you have to attack the glass offensively if you shoot a lot of threes. We saw Bruce Pearl teams do this. We've seen Ned Oates teams do this. If you have threes and you also – a lot of shooters and you also have a lot of athletes, that's going to create a lot of long rebounds, a lot of caroms. And if you're attacking the glass, you can get a lot of offensive rebounds. Tennessee had, I think, 16 offensive rebounds tonight, which is – which is a you know, that's a solid number. You'll, you'll take that. Um, if you do that most of the time, you're, 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 you're happy with that. So I, I think – that's one thing that I noticed about it was that if, if they'll go attack the glass with that, they're, they're fine because you're going to get what I think are the best shots in basketball and the absolute biggest backbreakers in basketball are offensive rebound, kick out, three-pointers. Those are demoralizing for opponents. If you, you think about those times where just the times where you go, ugh, when it happens against your team, it's almost always it's either the dumb turnover at midcourt that turns into a dunk and gets momentum going, or it's the offensive rebound, carry them out, kick out for a three. Those are the ones that break your back because you've done your job, you've gotten a stop defensively, but you didn't get the rebound, and then you gave up a three. And it's the worst if it's a missed two, and then it's kicked out, and it's a three. So you'd have been better off if you let the first shot go in. Those things are, are important. Um, those things hurt you. And I think a lot of Tennessee's threes tonight were that. And they're coached to do that. It's important. They, they, after offensive rebounds, they are taught, 
get the ball. Unless you have a wide open putback for a dunk or a layup, you immediately look to the perimeter, find the open guy, and he's going to have a three-pointer because it's hard when other teams are attacking the glass to stay on their man. So usually you have someone hover around the three-point line. It's a coached thing. You know, you catch the ball, you kick it out to them, they shoot a three. It's basketball. That's modern basketball, and it's a big thing. But I think that's the the one thing. And then the other thing, Ben, before we go to break, tonight was the first time I'd heard Rick talk about the four-point line that they use in practice. And and I I have to throw my hand up in the air and say I had never heard about that before. I've seen it in practice. I don't remember the first time I saw it, but tonight's the first time I think I remember hearing them talk about it, that they don't just shoot three-pointers in practice. They're supposed to shoot four-pointers, which is the line that he's put down with tape, old-school style, a couple feet behind the three-point line to get them used to shooting out in space. And that, to me, is another sign that he's serious about this way of playing basketball. Right, and and Tennessee's players, as a result, look really comfortable shooting from out there uh, as well. Tyreek Key, no hesitation. Santiago, as we've seen for years now, no hesitation shooting out there. Josiah Jordan-James, no hesitation. And, and Josiah often shoots that without hesitation with a hand in his face, and, and Santi uh, as well. So uh, it, it does feel like, as we discussed earlier, that, that Rick has really adapted uh, to the new age of basketball, uh, positionless basketball, and uh, a more perimeter-oriented style of basketball. And, and it's backed by the analytics. That, that's why you've seen basketball go in the direction that it's gone. And and Steph Curry has changed the game because of what he's been able to do behind the three-point line as well. I, I know that there's been so many great three-point shooters before Steph Curry, uh, Reggie Miller and Ray Allen, and we could go on and on and on. But, but none of them fundamentally changed the way the game is played, really. Correct. And the, those guys are, are bigger than Steph Curry as well. Steph Curry at 6'2", six, 6'3", six, I think he's 6'3". Uh, and by basketball size that that's small uh, and you see it with Tennessee Santi's kind of undersized Zakai's undersized but they, they still have a massive impact on the game because of how it is now perimeter oriented and, and the emphasis to shoot threes and, and speaking of Nate Oates Nate Oates is one that absolutely charts the four-point play kind of thing in, in practice in terms of putting tape down and and trying to make sure that his guys shoot from a particular area on the floor and um, they, they get mad at their players, and, and Rick isn't this committed, I, I don't believe, but uh, Nate Oates and, and the Alabama staff, they get mad at their players if they attempt mid-range jumpers. They, they want a, a layup or dunk or a three-pointer mm-hmm. because that's what the analytics say. Uh, yeah, and, Rick's and, not that new school, but he's getting closer to it. Yes, correct. And, again, I, I would be curious as a follow-up to – since he doesn't have the personnel in the post to, to run anything offensively through, in, in my opinion – uh, I think Olivier is a guy who can do some things there. From the beginning of the game to the end of the game? No, I think for stretches of the game, I think he's a really good passer. He had a couple of really nice assists tonight. I, again. I really like Olivier. I really do. I like his game, but he, he's I, – I don't know that he's somebody that is going to carry the team. Oh, no, he'll have nights where he does because he'll get hot like that because that's how this team's going to be. But it's not going to be like – you're not going to fundamentally run your offense through him consistently. Correct and they don't have a post player that they can do that. I mean, this is a guard-heavy team. I mean, it's pretty clear and, and, and obvious. And, again, did they reach this point from a roster standpoint because Rick has made a commitment 
to, to be more guard dominant, more guard heavy? Or is it some of the, the post players not necessarily working out the last couple of years? Because even for what Olivier and, and Urosh are right now, it took them some time to get to where they are. They, they didn't expect Olivier to take as long to develop as he did. And I, I don't necessarily know exactly what they expected from Urosh, but when they acquired him of sorts when he transferred here. Um, but, I mean, it's four years into this thing, and he's finally at a point to where you feel good about him consistently being on the floor. And, and you've had guys in the post transfer out the last two to three seasons. You, you really haven't just absolutely nailed a, a post player since Grant Williams. Well, and if you get a, if you get a big man who's capable of, of you can run your offense through him, you're going to have him for all of one year because he's going to get paid to play the game because those guys are hard to find. Those well, are unicorns a correct. little bit. Correct. And even and if you have one that stays for three or four years, he's not going to be that athletic. No, not at all. And that that's why Oscar Sheepway is back at Kentucky. He's he's the arguably the best player in college basketball. He's probably the most dominant player mm-hmm. in terms of physicality. Yes. And 10, 15 years ago, he would not be at Kentucky again for a second season. He, he would have gone to the NBA, but because he could not shoot threes, could not play on the perimeter, he's back at college. Well, he and, also, and he also does really good with NIL there, maybe better than he would for some in some European That's countries. That's not why he's back, though. I know, I just wanted he's, to say that. Yes, <laughs> yes, he, he is definitely benefiting NIL-wise, but he would have been a second-round draft pick had he gone. Yes. And he was, he was the National Player of the Year last year. Yeah, you don't you don't you don't see that a lot. There there's so much there's a lot more things we need to discuss and we're going to, but we're overdue for a break, so we're gonna step away for just a second, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in house ads, etc., and then we'll be right back here on the GoVols twenty four seven podcast. Hashtag ad Money! Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago. During that commercial break, Wes Rucker and Ben McKee coming to you from Thompson Bowling Arena, where the 11th-ranked Tennessee basketball team has opened its season with a 75-43 win over Tennessee Tech, coached by John Pelfrey, a name who a lot of people around the SEC of various ages will remember. The Vols were supposed to take care of business, and they did. We're going to discuss more, maybe about some some Josiah Jordan-James and his knee, uh, just how fun it is to watch Tyreek Key play basketball. 
There's some more things, maybe Jonas A. do not playing, maybe as many minutes as we, some of us would have thought. There's some more things to parse over with this game. But before we do that, just a quick request from our end. If you could take about a minute out of your day right now, maybe 60 seconds, maybe 75 seconds, maybe 90 seconds tops, go in there and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast. We would appreciate that quite a bit. If you're just listening on the website, we love you. There's no wrong way to consume the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. What helps us out the most, though, is if you go in there, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, anywhere in the world, you can cast a fine pod. You can find this Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free, and we're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. Very few complaints from our end. But since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there and rate and review and subscribe and tell your friends. Tell people you see at church. Tell people you see at the golf course. Tell people you see walking around downtown. Tell people you see at lunch. Tell people you see just at a red light when you're stopped, you know. Just you see somebody wearing orange, be like, hey, you look like a Tennessee fan. You should listen to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. That might be your new best friend. That might be your spouse. That might be the person who changes your life, the butterfly effect. We never know what's going to happen. All of those things are possible if you just tell some friends while you're writing and reviewing and subscribing to this podcast. If you're already doing all those things, thank you. We love you. And if not... I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Ben, back to the business at hand. Uh, this game, you might have noticed, Josiah Jordan-James did not start for Tennessee. That is unusual. A player who Rick Barnes almost never likes taking off the floor for, for many reasons. And the reason for that is because he's been coming back from a knee injury. He had a knee scope uh, after last season, and they intentionally on the front end, which doesn't surprise me with this staff, said, let's let's be as careful with this as possible because we know what we're going to get out of this kid. Let's just make sure we have him for the stretch run. So they wanted to get it right, get it healthy. He's now back. He didn't even wear a brace when he was out there tonight, but he is getting back in shape. They have kind of walked him back slowly. He came off the bench. He was uh, minutes handicapped, I guess you might want to say, or, or they were load management, however you want to phrase it. He played less than 18 minutes in this game. In those 18 minutes or less, uh, he did have eight points, one assist, four rebounds, shot three or six from the floor, two of five from three, two steals, uh, I believe only the one turnover, a plus-minus of plus 10 in in that much time. I thought he looked pretty good. I thought he looked comfortable. And for a guy who's so important to the team, Ben, I think thinking about his injury the whole time from with the long picture in mind, the, the, the big picture in mind, I think that was the right call. Yeah, there's just no need to push him uh, against Tennessee Tech. Uh, there's just no need for that. As we saw tonight, you you can beat Tennessee Tech handedly with, with Josiah Jordan-James doing the whole load management thing. Uh, and, and I thought he was really effective in his 18 minutes. Uh, he looked good shooting the basketball. He had a nice drive towards the, the bucket uh, for, for a nice layup, eight points, three of six shooting, two of five from three. Uh, did his usual rebounding, which, which he is terrific at. Best rebounder on the team, has been for a few years. Yep. Uh, four rebounds and, and was also finding his teammates, was was looking the part defensively uh, as as well. So I thought Josiah looked great. And, and he said after the game that he, he was on a, a minutes restriction. Uh, and he, he was kind of curious to see how long it would take for him to, to get back into to true playing shape because he didn't play against Michigan State or Gonzaga in the preseason. And 
Uh, I, I thought tonight with, with it essentially being his return, uh, I, I thought he looked really good. Uh, and, and he said that we'll, we'll see if he's good to go in, in terms of playing more minutes uh, against Colorado on Sunday. Obviously, he'll play more now that he's got a game under his belt. But in terms of being 100% back and, and w- without a minute's restriction, that, that seems pretty optimistic since Colorado's not that far away. Uh, but within the next couple of weeks, I, I would imagine Thanksgiving break when, when they go down to the Bahamas to play in that tournament w- would probably be the target date for, for unleashing Josiah Jordan-James in, in terms of him no longer being on a minutes restriction. So uh, he's going to play a key role on this team this year, and they need that knee to, to be good to go. Uh, he said it was just a knee scope and that he had it at the end of last season after the season ended. So I'm kind of surprised that it's – it's still a thing they're managing. They emphasized, though, that they were going to basically baby it, like just be yes. really, really careful. Yes, and no no shame in that whatsoever. Again, he, he's going to be such a vital piece and a key piece to them being successful this season, and, and they need him for the long haul. So no need to, to run him out there and play 30 minutes like Santi did, did tonight or, or 28 minutes like Zakai did. There's just no need for that because uh, in, a, in a roundabout way, I mean, he's – Tennessee's going to go as Josiah goes just because of how important he is offensively, defensively, leadership, uh, facilitating, all of those boxes. He, he's so important. So I, I thought it was a smart move to, to keep him on a minutes restriction. Yeah, and, and I think that I don't know if this is the other reason why they did it, but I know his importance to the team is one. I have to think that his injury history is part of that, too. I mean, he's just been – it's been one thing after the other, basically, since he's been at Tennessee, and it's just been hard – to keep him healthy. I know a lot of that stuff's been upper body, but not all of it. Uh, it, It's just, he's always been such a talented player and a versatile player. You'd like to see him be healthy because once the season starts, really no one's ever completely healthy any, at any point, but I mean, basketball is an absolute grind, not like it is at the next level, but still at this level, it's an absolute grind. You got to get through it. um, and, And nobody's ever really healthy, but it would be nice to see him get healthy and I thought it was another step in the right direction tonight for that and we'll see how they change the lineup if it's just Julian Phillips going out or if they start with um, somebody else at the point I I don't know I mean I know Ziegler said that he didn't really want to start I don't know a way around him starting though I I think you know if you play 30 minutes what's the difference in playing it off the bench or starting Um, but he's really the only thing this team has that's a natural real point guard because B.J. Edwards kind of is too, but he's not in the rotation right now. Um, and, and other than that, they got a lot of combo guards and a lot of guys who can do a lot of things. Um, maybe even guys who came to Tennessee with point guard in mind, like Vescovy, like James, and it just didn't work out that way. They ended up being players for other positions. But uh, I think it's important for him to stay in the lineup. We'll see how they adjust that. Uh, a couple more interesting things tonight. I do think we need to talk about, I thought Jonas Adu, I, I was a little surprised he only played 10 and a half minutes tonight. Uh, and really, I mean, what if Plavsic played 10 and a half too? So they really only had a true five on the floor for half of that basketball game. They play come Watt the five, they can do some other things. But I, I don't know if they're doing horses for courses there and they're going to do different guys for different kinds of games. Or I don't know if Adu came in the game and irritated Rick or did something, and so he didn't play a rotation. I don't know what it was or if that was just the plan. I really thought he might play a little bit more this evening. Well, I, th- I think part of it is, like we talked about, this team is so guard dominant, and there- there's so much versatility with allowing a guy like Julian Phillips to, to play the four. Uh, Josiah can play the four. 
you, you don't really need two post players. And I, I think this Tennessee team is at its best when they're not playing two post players, quite frankly. Um, and also, Jonas Adu had a nasty spill through the Tennessee Tech bench and, and landed on the steps over there uh, of Thompson Bowling Arena right behind the bench and, and kind of uh, came up a, a little shaky and, and was limping. And, and we didn't see him for several minutes after that and, and then finally did check back in. There so, you go, because I didn't see that, so I'm glad you did. So, so maybe that was part of it. But also, like you pointed out, Urosh played 10 minutes. So, so maybe that was the plan going in. But uh, it, it seemed like Jonas taking a fall into the stands and, and landing on the steps painfully uh, contributed there. And uh, I, I think he's going to be a key piece as well. Not, not a piece that is going to, to be the reason Tennessee wins or loses necessarily, but I, I think he can be a, a big difference maker potentially in Tennessee winning. Talked about it on the preview podcast. That he has a skill set to where he can be one of the most dynamic, game-changing players in the entire SEC. He, he can make threes, as we saw tonight. He's a true rim protector, and, and he's athletic. He has nice touch around the rim as well, uh, and, and he can knock down mid-range shots if, if need be. So uh, I think Jonas Adu developing and, and progressing would, would be instrumental for this team. You saw him get better last season. If he can do the same this year, and by the time they're, they're midway through conference play and, and creeping towards March and, and he's playing – close to to the potential that he has I mean that that is a game-changing type of player for Tennessee and, and we know that that occasionally guys like Oscar Toshibwe have some trouble with length at times and Adu's got that nine foot four standing reach so um, I, I imagine when those Kentucky games come later in the season they'll have you know 10 fouls basically between the two of them to go after that guy and they're going to do that. It wouldn't even surprise me if they put Tobey Walk out there occasionally. Like, you know what? you got two or three minutes. Why don't you go bang that guy around for a little bit and see what happens? Um, but, you know, that's, that's down the road. But I just kind of thought Adu would be a guy we might see a little bit more than that. But the other thing I want to talk about, two quick things. One, uh, Santiago Vescovi did not take a shot in the first 12 minutes. He was on the floor tonight. I don't know if they were trying to rush him off the line. I imagine he's number one on the scouting report, so they probably were. Um, but then he uh, he almost uh, did an ice cube and messed around and got a triple-double. He uh, had nine points, eight rebounds, and five assists, uh, so he kind of did that little bit of everything. And he ended up taking uh, eight shots in 30 minutes, so it's not the worst thing. All threes. All threes. That, that, that's, and, you know, he can put the ball on the floor and go do some other things, but he also went down there and got uh, eight rebounds. He had five assists. He did a lot of good things in the time that he had, so not that big of a deal. We know what you're going to get out of him. But the other guy I wanted to talk about, you talked about Meshack earlier, so I'm glad we did that. But, but Tyreek Key, man, like what a great story. From from little, you know, Salina, Tennessee, you know, town of, what, 1,400 people. He, he, he's, a, he's a smallish kind of prospect, so Tennessee isn't sure if they want to offer him. They want to wait until the spring. He says, no, I want to take the offer in hand. He goes to Indiana State, ends up doing a lot of big things for the Sycamores for a few years, finally gets his shoulder taken care of surgically last year, so he sits out the season. And then he says, wait, I got one more season to play. I kind of want to fulfill a dream and go play at Tennessee. And, boy, Tennessee is glad to have that kid. He is an absolute score. Man, it would not surprise me if that kid has a 40-point game this season. I think that is the offensive talent he has. And if people are going to have to keep paying a lot of respect to Vescovy, which they're going to have to do, 
and they're going to have to go put guys on Ziegler, which they're going to have to do. And Josiah. And Josiah and other guys. Like, it, so it, 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 like you have to – Phillips, again, a kid who's going to play in the league here in a couple years probably. I mean, th- there's no – there's no way you can put a ton of attention on him, and you absolutely need to because he's only six foot two. He's, the, he's as big as a barn. I mean, he's he's six foot two. He's like a square kind of how, how much muscle the kid has. But man, that kid can shoot, can shoot from anywhere confidently. And it, he's that guy that you look up again tonight. He had 17 points. Where'd that come from? He can just score in a hurry and really got them going in both halves, I thought. He's a really good college basketball player. I talked about it on, on, on the preview pod that we did. I, I think when we look back on the season, he's going to be one of the, the most important offseason additions when we look back on this past offseason in, in hindsight. Um, and, and he reminds me of Desmond Bain from the Grizzlies. Not, not saying he's going to go on to be Desmond Bain, but just in terms of uh, a playing style and the, the sense that uh, he, he just has a terrific shot. I mean, yeah. Every time he shoots it, you expect it to go in. And he was four of eight tonight and, and three of three at the free throw line. Four of eight from three, three of three from the free throw line, and, and five for ten uh, from the game. But he, he's a guy that's just not a shooter. And that's why he reminds me of Desmond Bain for the Grizzlies because everybody thinks of Desmond Bain as a three-point shooter, but r- really he can do it all. Uh, he, he can put the, the, the ball on the ground and, and get to the hoop, which we've seen Tyreek Key do. Uh, Desmond Bain can facilitate, which Tyreek Key can do. And, and it's really their body, like, like you just talked about. <laughs> their bodies are very similar uh, in terms of they're not the tallest guys, but they're just full of muscle. He looks, he looks almost like a linebacker or a yeah, safety. fullback or something. It looks like he should be on a football field, and that's what Desmond Bain looks like. So uh, I, I enjoy that because, obviously, I'm a big Grizzlies fan, and, and, I, and I love me some Desmond Bain. So it'll be fun to watch Tyreek Key uh, play a similar game uh, at the college level. But I, I think he's going to be one of the best players in the SEC this season. Again, I, nobody's really talking about the addition of Tyreek Key nationally, but I think midway through the season – Midway through conference play, people are going to start to ask, how in the world did Tyreek Key end up at Tennessee, and and why did this transfer from Indiana State end up being so good at Tennessee? I I think he is going to be a very special player and and have a very special season. I wouldn't be surprised if he leads Tennessee in scoring I think he will. I think he will. I I mean, Ziegler Ziegler or Vescovy could, but I think think it might be Key. It'll be Tyreek Key or or Santiago, in my opinion. It'll be one of those two, and uh, be- because of Tyreek Key's ability to, to score in so many ways, I, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised. I had that thought midway through the game tonight after seeing what he did, scoring 26 points against Gonzaga, uh, and then coming out tonight and, and just looking so comfortable within the offense. And his shot is just so smooth. And, and again, he can do and so quick, many things. And quick, he gets it off quick. Yeah, he can do so many things offensively. I, I think he's going to have a great season. and. Uh, be one of the best players in the SEC this year. He also had three steals and four rebounds out there, and he did have a – he led the team in plus-minus at plus 30 in only 25 minutes. all-around good basketball player. And you know what? Maybe Tennessee should have taken him four years ago, but Tennessee got him now, so that's better than having him for zero years. You know, I, I, I just I, – I think that's going to be something that's really interesting to watch. And you can tell how much Rick Barnes likes him, too. He had him – just come up there and say howdy to start his press conference. I think he's making fun of his country accent. Uh, Rick just likes him. You can tell. He, he's one of those guys that he fits in culturally with this team. Uh, ben, before we get out of here, anything else? I know that 
if you're wondering why we're not talking football with a team that's going to be probably in the top five still in the college football rankings uh, when they come out, college football playoff rankings when they come out Tuesday night, we're going to have another. I mean, most of the week, rest of it's going to be dedicated to those guys. To tomorrow night, Tuesday night, we'll have a we'll have a, an episode after we get the rankings and write a couple stories and get all that out, and then we'll have our normal Thursday stuff, our preview stuff, and then post game stuff. So it's going to be a pod heavy week, but it's it's we're going to have pods after every basketball game too, and I think giving these guys a full episode was the was the right thing to do. Was there anything else in terms of hoops tonight that, that you wanted to mention that we didn't discuss? Nothing that we didn't discuss, just an overall good basketball game for Tennessee. Maybe wasn't the prettiest at times because shots weren't falling, especially there late in the, the first half. They missed nine threes in a row. But even with some of the shots not falling at times, it, it wasn't too frustrating in the process, or, or you weren't mad in the process, I guess you should say, uh, because obviously you're, you're frustrated that the shots aren't falling, but if you know basketball, you, you recognize that they're getting good looks, and eventually they will start to fall, and Tennessee comes out in the second half, and they, they go 8 for 15 right out of the gates from the three-point line, so even though shots weren't falling, they were getting good looks, and that's what you want offensively. You want good, open looks. Uh, the, the coaching staff did a good job of uh, drawing things up to, to get open looks, and the players obviously did a good job of executing. And in basketball, you're not going to make all your shots every night. It's impossible to. Uh, that, that's just the game of basketball. Just go go crash the glass and play good defense, and and still find a way to do it. Also, getting 17 steals in a game is nice too. That's, yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's just a a good overall basketball game. Uh, is is my overall thought for Tennessee? Again, frustrating at times because the shot wasn't falling. Uh, but but that's going to happen over the course of the season, and, and they're going to have uh, a lot of great nights scoring. They're just uh, too good offensively not to, to be great on offense this season. And, and you look up and down the box score, I know Rick Barnes pointed out the rebounding uh, and, and that he would have liked to, to have been better there, but you still out-rebounded Tech 37-28. Uh, you still had 16 offensive rebounds to six. You had 22 second-chance points to two. Your bench outscored them 38-16. to 16. You, you had 20 to 12 points in, in the paint. You had 16 fast break points to two. You blocked four shots. You, you, you stole 17 possessions from them. Uh, and you had 21 assists and only gave up five assists to Tennessee Tech. So frustrating at times because the shots weren't falling, but uh, a really good overall performance in the season opener for Tennessee, if you ask me. And now they get to go uh, watch it. Uh, go back to the lab, cut up some stuff, get some stuff worked out, and then they will play Colorado on Sunday at Bridgestone Arena. I think, uh, Ben, you you will be there. I most likely will not uh, because my wife uh, it, it will be at a conference work-wise in Toronto, uh, you know, the one in Canada, that one. So uh, I, I will be helping watch the little man at home. Uh, so we will we will still have a podcast after the game, but uh, I think I might be in studio and Ben will be at the arena. So We'll, we'll get that there. We'll get that to you, and we'll have about four or five football pods probably until then. So uh, get uh, get ready. I hope you're. I uh, hope you got time this week. It's be a good week for a road trip uh, if you're a Tennessee fan because we're going to have a lot of this content for you. Or just sit there at work and don't work. Just listen to the podcast instead of working. We always we always appreciate that. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, Wesley. There's that button, and now I can say. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Guys, thank you. Thank you for listening. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you 
for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. You can also go uh, to twitter.com slash govals247 and facebook.com slash govals247 to get all of the stuff there, or most of the stuff there. We got stuff on there that we update throughout the day, all day, every day. Tons of stuff on there. All good stuff. But if you want that best, most delicious, that sparkling, delicious, crystal clear East Tennessee Smoky Mountain Spring Water right from the tap, go directly to GoBalls247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball coverage. We cover Tennessee baseball better than anybody out there. We got that for you. We got Lady Vols coverage with award-winning Maria Cornelius, who covers all things Lady Vols for us. You also get administration news. Basically, anytime anything happens over there at the University of Tennessee, we bring it to you at GoVols247.com. We also have two forums that run around the clock, the Checkerboard and the Summit, where you can go and discuss uh, anything you want that is not political or religious in nature, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we will be there to discuss it with you. Just about one of us is up just about all the time, at least, so you can go in there and do that. And you can get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, and that's after a free trial, and that's always. A lot of times we have better deals than that, but at least we have the seven-day free trial, and then you can start paying us. And when you start paying us, again, which is less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, if you do that, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which is the streaming arm of CBS, Viacom, Paramount, all of it. Get all of it right there. And it's, I mean, you got stuff, brand new movies, exclusive movies, exclusive shows. You get stuff from the vaults of uh, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, all of it. And obviously everything CBS has ever done commercial free. That's a $100 plus annual value that we'll put in your pocket for nothing. For nothing. So we're giving you several hundred dollars worth of stuff for less than 100 bucks a year. Guys, that is an unbelievable deal. So please, this is a great time. Go take advantage of of that now Uh, if you haven't heard from us uh, from a couple days there's been a problem we should be back here uh, in in a couple days or so you'll hear from us very very shortly until then guys be good to each other be decent to each other please there's not nearly enough of that in our world anymore god we are so mean to each other have some basic human empathy allow people their dignity try to be kind be good to each other until then be good guys see you Where's Wes at? He already put my comments out there, so (laughs) he he had direct quotes. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.